Hi, and welcome to Hysterics, a podcast about bodies outside the norm. I'm your host, Kay Daverett. Last episode, I started out by getting all warm and fuzzy about ceramics. This episode, I want to explore the other side of the vessels that we eat and drink out of. For many of us, the word ceramics is hard to separate from its hashtag. Ceramics go along with a certain lifestyle, the kind of person who has all handmade plates and mugs that are carefully curated and one of a kind, is probably also someone with hundreds of perfectly maintained houseplants. They have a minimal but inexplicably sexy linen wardrobe and travel six months out of the year on business. Okay, well that might just be what marketing wants you to believe. No matter how perfectly packaged or idealized, ceramic vessels are really just something that you eat and drink out of. From the first time that human beings began to make objects to carry water or wine, ceramics have been a part of the cycle of our bodies. My guest today disrupts the contemporary idea of what ceramics are. She calls attention to the fact that these things really are just a part of that cycle. She ties the vessels that we eat out of to our eating habits, our eating rituals, as she calls them, the most private, intimate, and even shameful moments of our lives. Her plates and bowls change from an innocent, beautiful object to a tool and a witness for eating behaviors that run the spectrum from quirky to dangerous. With conceptual pieces named to portion, to purge, to spit out, to binge, Alison Cochran forces us to examine what we consider normal and how we talk about food. As you can probably tell, in this episode, we're going to be talking a lot about eating behaviors, and some of these conversations can be really triggering. So I want you to take a second to really consider that this is a conversation you want to listen to right now. Maybe it's not appropriate for today. Maybe it's not appropriate for this year in your life. Maybe it's not appropriate for you, period. And that's okay. Just take a step away if you feel like it's something that you don't want to engage with. But if you do, I hope that this can maybe be a stepping stone to talking about things like eating ritual and eating habits with your friends, the people around you. We're really comfortable talking about dieting. You can barely go anywhere or see anything that doesn't have to do with diet culture. But we really don't talk about our actual eating habits with one another very often. I think because there's a lot of shame wrapped up in food. Food's an emotional thing. And for some of us who are maybe emotional eaters or people who like to have a certain measure of control, talking about food can be a really touchy subject. As Allison talks about, part of what her work does is it starts a conversation about what's normal when it comes to eating. You'll hear her talk about portioning food and binging food in the same sentence, almost with a complete lack of judgment. And that's not because she's condoning any of this behavior. It's because she wants us to have an open conversation about how these things exist on a spectrum. And I don't know why I'm explaining any of this, because over the next about half an hour, Allison and I are going to have a conversation about it, and it's going to be framed around her work, something that she's been exploring for years. So as we're talking, I encourage you to go over to Allison's Instagram, which is just at Allison Cochran. I'll also link it in the description. I'm also going to have images of Allison's work, as well as Molly Morningglory's work from the last episode, and a little preview of Mac McCusker's work, who's going to be on on our next episode. Um, So you can go over to hysterixblog.com to have a visual as we kind of go over things. Okay, so let's give the floor over to Allison. And it's interesting because, you know, I have never, I don't think I've ever used the word eating disorder when I talk about this work, but everybody else uses it, um, which is odd because, you know, I've, I make work to portion your food, and yet the conversation is always, like, goes back to dis- disorder, which is why I feel like I'm trying to, you know, change that conversation to, like, eating habit mm-hmm. and eating rituals 
And that's a whole list of things that's not just purging your food or not eating. Um, And while it can be that, I think that eating habits include eating disorders in a, you know, clinical way. Like, it's not only that. Um, And I think for what it's worth, most people have semi-odd eating habits. Allison's work wasn't always about food. She started out just examining normalcy, what we see as normal, who tells us what normal is, and different ways that we can challenge that. So I went to undergrad at Ohio University, and I went there for ceramics, so that was um, what I definitely wanted to do. Although I was open to other mediums, I just felt like my hands responded to clay. I don't know, maybe everybody says that. Um... So I took the first couple years of classes, they're like foundations, and it's the first time that someone's ever made me um, think critically about something. I mean, in art school, like, what a crazy concept to, like, talk about uh, something that you've made or do um, a reading and have to, you know, give thought on it and not just, like, recite facts. Um, So I had my first foundations professor was Tom Bartell. And he's a ceramic artist, he's head of the department, and he makes, you know, these really incredible figures, and for whatever reason, his class just pulled out tons of ideas, and they were all, um, all the work I was making, I mean, it was all, like, cardboard and masking tape, but, you know, within that, I found a way to, I was talking about femininity and gender characteristics and color, things like pink versus blue, and I found all of that fascinating, um, and that really probably stemmed from childhood. I'm from the suburbs, the, like, white picket fence. I mean, it doesn't get more cliche than the town that I'm from. Um, and I think that's a semi-closed-off environment. I mean, I certainly wasn't exposed to um, people outside of my norm or my idea of norm, and I kind of started thinking about normalcy within all of that, and so I think the work was just related to that, you know, what, what, is, what is gender characteristics and all of that. Um, and then I moved more into ceramic classes, and I started developing um, ceramic work, or, you know, a body of work in clay, and I took a slip casting class, um, and in that class I started casting off of these, like, downy bottles and like product cleaners, um, very like household domestic um, items and I was turning them into like pitchers or teapots and cups and they were pink and the little um, space where the like logo is I was filling with these like floral decals and so again I was just like thinking about all this like what is what are these products selling us like other than just like cleaner, right? You know, I start thinking about, like, the shapes of these bottles and the colors and, like, who they're being sold to. And, you know, a lot of times, like, I think that they're directed towards women. Um, And so I played with those ideas forever. I mean, just, like, you know, what's my role as as a woman? And although, like, my parents never, you know, made me question that. Like, my upbringing didn't make me, like, think that I should, you know, only, like be a stay-at-home, like, mom or something like that, but certainly I think that our culture still has a lot of, um, 
pressure in that way, so I made that work uh, for a long time, and then I started thinking about, like, etiquette and, like, table settings. I had this Emily Post book <laughs> on etiquette, and I feel like I was just circling around these ideas, but nothing was really concrete, and I was never really able to come to, like, what's what's the root of all this? Like, where does all this stem from? Um, so I, I did study abroad for a semester. Um, after I had made this work, this was, like, my next thing, and I was just totally alone, which is crazy. I studied at this art school called the Berggebietenstein in Germany, and I, um, just like I lived alone, I ate every meal alone, the school is not like American school, so like I just like worked in the studio kind of alone and I was just so overwhelmed. And I kept this blog um, for one of my professors, her like, she asked me to kind of write and she would write back to me and I had a my final thesis show coming up when I got back and so I like had to like figure my shit out. Like <laughs> This was like the time to like get it together. So I honestly just spent forever, like, writing back and forth, and she just let me, like, babble on like an idiot about, like, all this stuff, and I wasn't in the studio for whatever reason, like, I was just not in that headspace, I was just, like, eating cake in cafes and, like, eating bratwurst, like, I just was doing nothing but eating and drinking, honest to God, but I did a lot of writing. And for whatever reason, I was just, like, able to put all that together, I think, that, like, it really came down to, like, food for me, maybe, and that was the relation to, like, body image, um, and before I had went on this trip, I had quit, um, the cheerleading team, I was a college cheerleader for two years, um, and so I think when I was able to reflect on that time and just kind of be isolated and alone and not have those pressures of school, and um, critique and all that, I was able to just, like, hone in on, like, what's important here, um, and where does this stem from, and, like, how will that sustain, like, my ideas. I started making work there that um, really talked about, well, I guess, like, in my mind, it, I really was able to reflect on American culture and my eating culture. So this is the first time I started making <clears throat> vessels that had just, like, weird habits. I have this weird thing where I don't drink milk, but I would, like, still want to dunk my Oreo in milk. So I made this, like, little strainer that, like, strained the milk out of my Oreo. Weird little things like that um, where I was just, like, craving things. And so the vessels... Um, I focused a lot on their function, um, and aesthetically, they were honestly <laughs> kind of shit. I, like, didn't even bring anything home. They were awful. Like, I, I think back on that work, and it was not great, but it, like, led me to the work that I made when I got home, which were these porcelain vessels. I call them vessels. Some people might call them pots, but they are, they were double-walled. They were all white. Um, and they had these very specific functions, um, in terms of control over eating. Um, and aesthetically, they were, everything kind of has this hourglass shape, which I relate a lot back to my own body, um, and the idea of, like, symmetry, and, you know, that, like, sought-after hourglass form. 
that was really important. I also think that the work references toilets and sinks, that kind of um, fullness and sterility to all of that. So the work started there. It was definitely just a big reference on all of that. <clears throat> and, you know, functionality-wise, they were to control your actions over food. So um, one of the vessels was to portion. One of it was to chew and to spit out um, and to smell. And these were basically habits that I had either done myself or had seen other people do in my past experience. Um, and I started, I think, thinking about like, what is eating habits to me? What is a ritual? What is problematic? Um, and what is considered a disorder, but basically like what is normal? And I think that these forms were able to address, um, you know, that kind of idea of normalcy. I think, like, that idea of normalcy goes back to the whole, like, advertising thing, which is where I feel like all this work started. It was, you know, something selling me an idea of normalcy, an idea of pink is feminine or a gender role or whatever. And so I kind of feel like, what does that mean for something to be normal? And in reality, I think that's such a small group of people or habit or action or whatever. I mean, to call something normal is semi-judgmental, I guess, in my opinion. And so I think about that, you know, like everyone talks about the work and they're like, oh, it's about eating disorders. And, you know, to me, that's really like pigeonholing the subject. I don't really think that that's appropriate. I, I feel like the work is um, about eating habits because that's truly what I'm interested in. I mean, we draw these lines in the sand with, in like, you know, what it means to be normal or what a habit is in terms of normalcy. And I don't think that like, and I don't know how to describe that, but like, they don't exist in my mind. Like that line is sort of irrelevant because what I might find appropriate is not appropriate to you and vice versa. And, and same with everybody. And so when I was thinking about all of those acts to portion your food, to smell your food, to binge eat, to all of that, it's like we all have this fine line of like what's considered normal, but I think like overall we draw them in really odd places because you could sit at a table and portion out your food and that is totally normal because that's a thing that like people in our culture do. But if you chew your food and spit it out, which basically is, you know, a lack of calorie intake, same as starving yourself or portioning your food, it's in this different realm. It's in this, like, shameful realm. Um, and same with more serious matters, like bulimia, right? We, everyone, there's this, like, stigma with that. It, that's an eating disorder, right? But, like, in my mind, like, that's kind of the same thing as just, you know, only allowing yourself to eat a thousand calories a day. But because you can sit at a kitchen table with your family and just have a small plate of food, that's like no big deal. That's normal. Or, um, but, you know, spitting out your food after each bite is not normal. Um, so I really like am interested in like those lines. Like 
how do I blur those? Do they need to be blurred? And, you know, like, what does that mean in terms of, like, making ceramic vessels? So, the vessels, I would say, like, when I started this work, they were very sterile. I really wanted them to reference hospitals, bathrooms, kitchens. Um, I wanted them to, you know, feel like toilets or I just wanted them to be clean. They're white. They have a clear liner glaze. There's no, um, there's nothing distracting, which I think is really interesting because a lot of times that's what people in industry do. They make white dinnerware to enhance the food. Although I don't really think that this work, um, you know, it's, it's that white surface doesn't enhance, enhance the food or, I mean, you know, it kind of does, but like, it's not about that. And so I'm thinking, you know, aesthetically about all of those sorts of, um, decisions. And eventually I moved into making a body of work that was more focused on that like plastic hospital wear and the kind of like mauve pink and, and blue. And so that's where all of my color started coming from. Um, and so I made this body of work that, that all was that kind of color and it really referenced hospital wear. So I made a bedpan, um, but it was a serving dish and it had this lid on it that you could spit your food back out. And I had um, a kidney dish to strain from and that kind of plastic pitcher. And so I had all of these forms that really looked a lot like that. So aesthetically, like that kind of started coming into it, like actually mass produced objects um, and altering them to kind of um, my, the functions I needed them to have. Um, so color started coming into the work then. And, and honestly, I, I dwelled on that forever because when the work was all white, which I really thought was important because for whatever reason, you know, I kind of find the idea of cleanliness really comforting and kind of intimate. I think those spaces, a bathroom or a hospital room or, or you know, whatever, they are intimate and personal and kind of impersonal at the same time. Um... And so I think that referencing that is really important because to use porcelain as a material is so specific. But on one hand, you know, porcelain references your cozy kind of like mug or your fine china or your toilet. Um, and so to think about like the work, the what I'm talking about, you know, to have that kind of cleanliness, I think is important. I think it ties it all back into itself. Yeah, when I think about your pieces that you showed me, they do, they have that, like, 90s mauve color that's, like, really specific to, like, an ice chip tray. Totally. And, like, or, like, even your, like, 70s bathroom tile or, like, like, I had, I saw this most amazing bathroom once. It was all pink. But it was that, like, mauve pink. It was amazing. And so a lot of my colors kind of came from there. Now, recently, I feel like the I've made some work that is a lot brighter and softer and um, the vessels have a different function and in my mind it's kind of funny because they're all about like just my favorite things they're like cake plates because I love dessert and or whiskey cup 
And I think that the colors just kind of reference, like, dessert, candy, like, all these things. Because, I mean, I have a huge sweet tooth. I'm, like, kind of obsessed, which is really funny because dessert and alcohol are is, like, one of those things that it's such a high high and such a low low. Like, on one hand, it's, like, a celebratory thing. And it's also this, like, super down thing that you do when you're, you know, feeling a certain way. Like, I always joke, I'm like, nobody binge eats salad. Like, when you binge eat something or you, you know, do something to excess, it's, like, generally, like, dessert or drinking or something like that. And so... While I think that work for me is just, like, fun and I enjoy making it, I do think it, like, ties back to the other work. Um, because it's, you know, it's personal. I don't I don't make a pasta bowl because, you know, I don't give a shit about that. Like, <laughs> I'm really thinking about, like, how food makes me feel and how, like, that kind of thing um, makes me feel. So I did another um, trip abroad to a ceramic center in Denmark and I was with this group of artists from all these different countries and we had these um, communal meals together every single night and they weren't optional. It was like you cook, we all eat, like 20 of us at this huge table and I made similar work. It was this vessel to chew your food out of and to spit it out. Um, And then because I was eating in this very communal way, this very public environment, I started thinking about like, like, what would that look like to spit my food out at this like massive table? Or like, what if everybody was doing that? Like, and you weren't like, what would your vessel look like? So I kind of took the original form I made and I split it up into these like, you know, quote unquote, normal bowls or whatever. Um, And so that really started um, having me think about you know, public versus private. And to, you know, throw your food up into a toilet is super private. But if you did that in public, like, that's a problem, right? Because, like, we think it's a problem, which, like, maybe it is, you know, whatever. And so um, the work really, I really wanted to push that um, because I think that starts to blur those lines of normalcy. Now, I don't want that to sound like I'm like promoting an eating disorder because like that's a problem right and I always get that backlash everyone's like oh my god you know you like feel like this is okay and you know I'm like I don't I just think that it's happening and I I think that um we can't where we're afraid to talk about it you know like we don't have these conversations like we're having right now hardly ever um so that work I thought was really important to allow me to feel that I can have that kind of conversation. And I had these photographs taken of me using the work, which is the first time that I had ever done that. And it brought a lot of contact to the work, which I think had been lacking because up until that point, they sort of looked like white toilety kind of bowls. Um, But to show them in use, actually just the image of the piece was way more powerful than the piece itself. I had, like, left the piece in Denmark. It, it was almost irrelevant at that point. Um, so that was really important. I felt like the, the or I do, I think that the vessels are sort of this mediation between my body and my mind and our functions, our bodily functions. Like, these vessels intersect there 
um, which is really interesting because I also think that, like, in a similar way that, like, you interact with a toilet, potentially, or um, other objects, or a fork. Um, it's kind of this tool that, you know, goes in between. And so, to me, like, those the vessels, they really, they do that more than anything. And that tool talks about it all in a really kind of interesting way to me. Um, so that's really important. Is it kind of like a, it's a mediating tool that forces you to be aware of yourself within your body and like how your habits like tie you to your body? Yeah, I mean, look, do I, I really don't think that this stuff ever gets used. I think <laughs> it's all like a theoretical object, you know? To me, it could be used. It could be an actual mediator between my body and its functions. Or it really could just be about the idea of it. And I think that, like, for me, it's that more than anything. Um, because, again, like, I don't want it to sound like I promote all of... You know, I promote, like, problematic behavior. Um, but I think that, you know, it's it's important to 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 do that. Um, and then, you know, to relate that kind of to, like, what's happening in the field... Um, I think that that conversation isn't being had just as it's really not being had so much like in our culture. It's, which is odd to me considering, you know, half of the ceramic community either makes vessels talking about food or, you know, a lot of people make, um, figures and talk about the body. But sometimes I, I don't think that they ever kind of, interact. And on one hand, I think that's okay. I think that um, we in ceramics and kind of like in culture, in our culture in general, we associate the ceramic pot or vessel with these ideas of like generosity and comfort and satisfaction. And I think that those pieces need to exist. um, And people make those forms really well. Um, But I also think that that's not everybody's reality in terms of eating. And um, I think that that's really important to be the one that that is discussing it. Um, Because, you know, I think everybody wants to feel that way towards a vessel, towards a pot, towards your coffee cup and your cake plate, you know, your communal meal with your serving bowl. It's these really, like, happy feelings. Um... And I think that those, you know, kind of small victories are worth celebrating. I do. I think that that's important. Um, But I also think that the other side of it is relevant and, and really needs to be addressed. I don't think that everybody needs to make work like this, but I think to acknowledge um, that not everybody is warm and fuzzy towards food all the time is kind of lacking right now um and so I feel like that's where at least I hope to intersect a little bit and to change that conversation and it's not comfortable and I'm very aware of that you know this is not a comfortable subject for anybody um I am comfortable talking about it but like I also think I'm a you know small group which is fine um but yeah I mean nobody 
most people are not, they don't feel comfortable with it. And um, I find that interesting considering we all talk about food so much. You know, everything revolves around food, which it does do, food does amazing things. It brings people together and, and we can have conversations around cups of coffee and food. Um, but I don't think that that, that's, that's not, that's not, doesn't have to be the norm. I don't know that that's the norm. That's some people's norm, potentially. Maybe that's the majority of people's norm. I don't know. Um, but yeah, not everybody's. I think that, I don't know, that's, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I think about it on a spectrum. Yeah. Like, because we all, like, to me, when I look at your work, and especially the stuff that has to do with, like, binge eating, like, I would never consider myself being someone with an eating disorder, but of course in my life I have binged before, and I have, you know, like, I have also, like, these, like, to me when I look at your work, I'm like, that reminds me of hiding in my bed eating enough food for four people because I can't deal with the world, and, like, the fact that, like, something yeah. like that is actually, like, bringing that up for me, like, oh, that's validated that that's a normal behavior? Like, they're not even normal, but it's a common behavior. Yeah. I think it's really validating. And I think, like, potentially because I talk about the extremes sometimes, which I think is important just to have the conversation. Um, but the extremes are the extremes. I mean, it also includes, you know, my weird habit of, like, having to wake up an hour early to, like, drink my coffee and lay in bed so that, like, I can take a shit so that, like, I don't feel bloated all day long. But, like, what a weird habit that I have to do. You know, like, that, while that's not problematic, like, it also consumes an hour and a half of my day focused on this. Like, right? I'm like, what a, you know, that lives on that spectrum. Um, whereas, you know, that's maybe not a classified eating disorder, but, like, damn, it's certainly, like, not normal or whatever, right? But it falls in just the general idea, like, we live in our bodies, our bodies need food, we need to shit, we need to eat, we need to drink, we need to throw up, like, all these things are what our bodies do. Yeah. And, like, the vessels that we use to consume are a part of that cycle. And I also think, and... I speak as a female, so, like, I cannot, you know, I hate to, like, uh, say this, that everybody does this, but at least for me, I feel very in tune with my body. I mean, I can tell the difference when I didn't have enough water the day before, or I feel that, like, I'm in tune with myself to, you know, know if I've put on a pound without stepping on the scale. Um, I know all of those changes. I know what how I feel when I eat dairy or, you know, all these certain things, um, which I think is really kind of relevant to the work because while I don't think that the work is all about me, I think it's, like, all about me to some extent because, I mean, my kind of, like, feelings towards my own body is probably, like, where this all stems from, even though, you know, I don't, like, I don't think it's all about me. I think that a lot of women are really in tune with their bodies. And I also think that, like, if you live outside of the norm, potentially, you're even more in tune with your body. And I think that's really important to be conscious of your changes. And sometimes that becomes obsessive and not healthy. And sometimes I think that it's a good thing. 
Um, maybe it, you know, keeps us from being unhealthy. Um, and there's a really fine line there of taking something to the extreme. And, you know, the opposite side of that is people who are not in tune with their bodies really have the ability to push a lot of things off and to not recognize things. And I think that that is also a really big concern. Um, yeah. yeah. Especially, you know, like, I like, you know, listening to your podcast and stuff and all of this. Like, I think that that's something that, you know, most people aren't in tune with their bodies and are really willing to let somebody else tell them about their body. Because um, you could tell me till I'm blue in the face that I'm overweight or underweight or whatever, but it really only matters how, like, I feel in my own skin. Um, and that, that's, that's the most important thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, just, yeah, thinking back to, like, hospitals and doctor's offices and all that, it's just like, you know, if you don't, I think if you don't understand your body and what it's capable of and how it changes... I mean, you miss a lot, for sure. I've been thinking about that when I listen to your to your other podcasts. Like, just, like, body awareness? Just, like, being in tune with changes. Yeah, because, um, when it, from my perspective, I look back, and to me, for a long time, my narrative was I was healthy and then I wasn't. Yeah. But the longer I've been ill, the more I've realized... No, this has been here for a long time and I ignored and it. And you couldn't place it. Yeah, until it became extreme. And then once it became extreme, I was forced to acknowledge it. And now I'm, like, on this, like, like this rubber band where I'm going from, like, being completely unaware of my body to body checking it obsessively. Totally. To like, it becomes, normal. Yeah. becomes obsessive. It's, yeah. And, you know, I feel like we've all... We've all been on that spectrum of, like, how obsessive we get, and that changes. Like, that ebbs and flows with things. Because um, I think that people with problematic eating habits, or however I define it, every day is not the same. You know, every day is not bad. Every day is not good. Um, every day we feel a little different, right? Like, and I think that's a thing that everybody feels, I mean, everybody can say when they've had too much to eat on Thanksgiving and, like, they need to put some stretchy pants on, you know? Like, everybody has that, but I think that that happens for people um, more or less. Some people only feel that way on Thanksgiving, and some people feel that way, like, two or three days of the week. Does that mean that, you know, they're living an unhealthy or bad lifestyle? No, I just think that they are able, you know, that they're in tune with with your body with their body and how that changes because honestly like consuming food that like that I don't know like that is different for each of us um that's something yeah I think about a lot another thing we did talk about was control oh control that's huge <laughs> yeah yeah because <laughs> <laughs> yeah because like of course like if you have this awareness of your body it's a double-edged sword too where then you're like I can think I know what will help get this outcome out of my body, 
But ultimately, your body's going to do what your body's going to do, and you cannot control it. But things like vessels are going to make you feel like this is a tool to control my body. Yeah, well, body's kind of a powerful thing like that, right? I mean, to have things like cravings and to actually be able to control yourself, to not give in. I mean, what an incredibly hard thing to do. Um, so my, my first thesis show in undergrad, the title was Maintaining Control. You know, I was really thinking about that, like, how, like, could, how would something, like, an object help control that? And at the end of the day, like, potentially it doesn't. You know, that's, that's going on in your own head in your own body, but that's an incredibly difficult thing because um, giving in or keeping that control, it, it makes us feel satisfaction or guilt or all these kind of words that I always throw around. Um, and I think people like control. I think they like to be able to not eat that piece of cake. And the problem is, is like, when you think that you shouldn't be eating it and you give in and eat it, you feel guilty. You're always going to feel guilty because you lost that control. Whereas somebody who's not worried about that eats the piece of cake and it's fine because they didn't lose, right? Like, I always, I think about that. Like, losing control is a shitty thing. Um, and to me, that's like, 90% of this conversation is, you know, that control in your own head. There's no way that I could wrap it up better than Allison did. But I do want to chime in here at the end and say thank you to Allison for being so candid and for sharing not only her artwork, but so much of her own relationship to her body and to food for this episode. Next episode, we're going to wrap up this exploration of ceramics and body image with an interview with Mac McCusker. Mac is a transgender ceramic artist and advocate who creates sculptures and functional work that forces their audience to confront their own relationship to gender. You can find me over on Instagram at hystericsblog or at hystericsblog.com. I'm looking forward to talking to you all soon and we'll be sending you all my love in the meantime.